Morning, everybody. Morning. How are we doing? All right? Outstanding. Outstanding. Good. Okay. Um, I'm Kenny. Uh, if we haven't met, hope to meet you at some point today. Um, glad to be with you all. Uh, I've been uh, traveling a little bit since last week and uh, went to Oregon. Anyone ever been to Oregon? You guys hear me? You can hear me all right, right? Good? You need a little bit more? Okay. Well, I'll just talk loud. And uh, Anyway, so we got a few people who have been to Oregon. Did you know that they have Krispy Kreme donuts in the gas stations there? <laughs> it's, it was so good. One night, I think it was the last night of the trip, we were in a gas station, and it was almost midnight, and I saw like a whole rack of Krispy Kremes, and that made me think, I want to go to Voodoo Donut. And you ever heard of Voodoo Donut? Yeah, I went there, had a tang covered donut yeah, at midnight because they're open 24-7. And uh, I've been sick. <laughs> I'm not going to blame it on the donut. Those are kind of two separate things. But um, I have been sick this week, so I hope you don't mind me uh, preaching with a cop drop in my mouth. And uh, we won't shake hands. We'll... Uh, you know, fist bump or elbow or something like that. Um, but it's really good uh, to be back in San Diego. Really good to be back with you all. The series we've been talking about is trying to answer this question. As Christians, what is our faith for? What is our role as Christians? What is our role as the church in the world today. In a world that is often apathetic towards the gospel or even hostile towards the gospel and the, and the values of the kingdom of God. And the passage that Vince read um, are the words of Jesus and, and one of his most... Um, well-known, talked-about, famous sermons or lectures or compilations of his teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, I'm amazed by Jesus. And uh, I know you guys are thinking, that's good because you're preaching about him today. Uh, But I am, not only that he's the Son of God, not only that he came in the flesh and he lived a sinless life and he died for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world once for all to give us salvation by His grace through faith. I'm amazed by that, but I'm also just amazed at the kind of teacher that Jesus was. Because you look at this passage, He can use two metaphors, salt and light, that everyone in the history of the world knows what those are. Arguably, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? We all, all humans know, have interacted with light and salt on some kind of level. And yet, he uses it to explain a concept that here, 2,000 years later, it's, when we read it, it still cuts to our hearts. We're still convicted. We're still encouraged. It's amazing. It's amazing that God's word works that way. And so today I want to look at this passage to talk about 
What Jesus is saying is the role of the church, the role of his followers in our surrounding culture. Using the terms that Jesus uses here, salt and light. Because if we miss what Jesus is talking about, we're going to miss out on a big part of our call and our role as Christians, as the church, the role that God has given us in the world. And specifically, if we miss on what he's talking about here today, we're, we're going to end up either keeping to ourselves, just kind of being in our own corner, and, and end up agreeing with what the world tells us, that faith is only for your private life. It's not worth sharing in your public life. Or, we'll be another point where we blend in with the world and have don't really have anything of true value as a church to offer people who are looking for hope and are looking for something different than the life they've been living. Does that make sense? But Jesus, in this passage, has given us this incredible gift. He's he's called us, he's actually given part part, part of our identity here. He's called us salt and light. Jesus has said, in following me, you have a role to play in the world that affects the world around you. You, as a Christian, as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, are much needed and distinctly different. Much needed, just like salt and light, much needed and distinctly different. Everyone with me? All right. Well, I just want to go forward with tackling those two in the order that Jesus brings them up. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, pray that God speaks to us, encourages us, and also uh, convicts us. And uh, that that when we leave today, um, we would be encouraged um, by the word that God has given us, by the identity that he's given us as salt and light. So first, salt. I want to cover two uses and two conditions. Salt was central to society in Jesus' day. So I know today we may like salt. We may use it for flavoring. We use it in all sorts of things. We might have the chemical formula for salt tattooed on our arm. Someone here does. Um, But we don't use salt quite as much, I, I wouldn't say, as, as uh, their culture did, or at least not in the same ways. But one ancient Jewish writer listed salt as one of the basic necessities of life. And an ancient Roman official commented, there's nothing more useful than salt and sunshine. And why was it so central? Well, I just want to cover, they had a lot of uses for it, but two of the main ones are uh, as a preservative... And as an enhancer, as a flavor enhancer, which we know that one more. But as a preservative, so think about it. In Jesus' day, no refrigerators. There's no meat freezers. There's no going to the supermarket and picking up meat that's, you know, been preserved. But you've still got meat. You've got to preserve it somehow, right? They don't have cool air, so what do they do? They use salt. salt. All right? So they, 
cover um, this meat and salt. They get it all in the mix. And what does that do? It has a preservative effect where it preserves the best part of that food and is a barrier towards what is decaying and rotting and going to destroy that food. Salt was used in every, every day of this culture and their life as a preservative. Also as a flavor enhancer. Anyone here eat unsalted food? Have you? I'm sure, you know, we're in SoCal, so I'm sure some of y'all like that. <laughs> but uh, I'm from the South, all right? So we had everything deep fried, and then we salt our watermelon, <laughs> our, our tomatoes, cantaloupe. We salt our fruit, right? Like, we're pretty addicted to it. Well, why? Because it brings out the best flavors in the food. It enhances, it makes the good things even better. Our calling as Christians... Part of what Jesus is alluding to is our calling as Christians. In the culture, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Not this is how you will be or these are the things you need to do in order to be the salt of the earth. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you have trusted in him, if you value in your heart what Jesus values, you are the salt of the earth. And we as a church... And individually, each one of us as Christians are meant to be in the culture as a preservative. As something that, that brings out and preserves the best parts of human society. And that stands in the gap as a barrier to hold back the things that bring, are bringing rot and decay and death to our society. We're called to be in the culture holding up what is good. By living out the values of Jesus and in the culture as a barrier to things that are destroying our culture. Where there's racism, we bring reconciliation. Where there's hunger, when there's hungry people, we bring food. Where there's mourning, we mourn with people. Where there's arguments at work, we focus on being a peacemaker. When people are bad-mouthing the boss at work, we show respect for those in authority. Does this all make sense? As Christians, we're called to preserve and uphold. This is how God wants the world to work. This is how God wants me to treat other people. And you know what that does? People see that. It has an effect. It has an effect at work. It has an effect in your family. It has an effect wherever you are as a preservative element. And it has an effect of uh, bringing out the best flavors so that other people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me read, uh, I don't even know if I have it up there, Matthew 5, um, 13, the same verse, but it's in the message version and I just like how this says it. It says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness, or you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. All right, so we're called to live lives in such a way that 
other people can begin to taste and see that God is good. There's something different to this God life. Being around them brings up more of the good things in life. Love, joy, peace. I see that in the way that they live. So that's two uses. Preservative and enhancer. Flavor enhancer. I don't have a better word for that. I mean, salty. Hashtag get salty. Um, two uses. And now two conditions. So the first thing is, is kind of more implicit. And, and the, the next one is Jesus makes a little bit more explicit. But the first one is salt in order to be a preservative agent, cannot be isolated to itself. You can have salt in a jar over here, and it's not going to preserve anything but itself if it just sits right here. You can have, it can be real close, salt and like a steak. And steak's just going to rot. Not going to do anything as long as the salt is here. No, salt's got to be in the mix. I know it's a really simple metaphor today, but just hang with me, all right? God's called us as Christians to be in the world, not of the world. We are to go into the culture, not just expect people who don't know Jesus and don't, know, don't love Jesus to come to us. We've got to go into and be part of the culture around us in order to have a preservative effect, in order to bring out the best. Does that make sense? If we're always us four and no more, are we, are we going to, is anyone going to know that we have a preservative effect? No. There's going to be the jar of salt over here by itself. Got to get shaken up. Hallelujah. <laughs> you got to get in to that. We're called to be in the world, not of the world. We're called to make time and space in your life for people who don't know Jesus and don't love Jesus. That's one marker. That's one way you can know, hey, am I, am, I, am I fulfilling this aspect of being salt? Well, is there, do you have friends who don't know Jesus? Do you spend time um, with people who don't know Jesus? I saw a great quote from last week's sermon that somebody posted this week and said, if, if all your friends are Christians, you need some new friends. <laughs> I heard uh, Vince did an incredible job last week. So we're to be in the world, not of it. Second condition has to do with impurities. Jesus says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If the salt loses its saltiness. Now some of you will know this if you're more chemically inclined. Um... But salt, sodium chloride, Jesus is basically speaking in an impossibility in some ways because salt by itself is a stable compound and will never lose its saltiness. It's not going to change, right? But one of the things that will make salt lose its saltiness is if there's impurities mixed in with the salt. If there's things that are non-salt that either change the makeup of it or dilute it, it's not going to be as salty. It's not going to preserve as much. It's not going to taste as good. And in Israel, 
In Jesus' day, most of their salt came from the Dead Sea, and a lot of that did have mineral deposits that was impure. And so if the salt they had wasn't doing the job, the only use is to throw it on the ground and make sure plants don't grow on the path here that's trampled underfoot. The Bible says, Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As a Christian, you are called the salt of the earth. And that, the purity in your life does not depend on, on you and your performance. It depends on Jesus Christ and his precious blood and his performance, his blood that was shed for us right? We stand pure in his righteousness. But what I'm talking about and what I believe Jesus is talking about right now is are you, have you valued something else that the world values higher than what the kingdom of God values? Or is there a, is there a sin in your life that you know is a sin and yet you're not turning from and you're not repenting from? Are you rebelling against what you know the word of God says to do? Well, that's going to diminish your salt a little bit. That's going to add some impurities to your salt where, hey, other people around you aren't going to be able to see how you're different. Well, how is what they have any different than what I have? Does that make sense? Yeah. And if that's the case today, the beauty of these words that Jesus gives us is that he roots it in our identity. You are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so we have the joy and the privilege of just repenting. If we see an impurity in our life and we say, God, I've been placing the world's value system so much higher than yours. I turn from that. I give you my heart. Make me pure. Help the people around me to see the difference in my life so I can offer them hope. Does that make sense? In the same way, Jesus was in the world and not of it. John 1 says, He came to that which was His own, and His own received Him not. But as to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become sons of God. Jesus was perfectly in the world and not of it. Jesus was the friend of sinners. And if you find right now that in your life, hey, I'm not befriending any sinners. I'm not making room and time in my life for people who don't know Jesus so that they can be around a Christian and see what it's like to live for Jesus. Just means repenting and taking that to God and say, God, please help me. Open my eyes to who, who is already in my life that I can invest into that relationship with. We good? We good? All right. That was salt on to light. <laughs> Lights next. All right. Um, I have this again in the message because I thought it was uh, a great uh, paraphrase of, of the passage, verses 14 through 16. And uh, I apologize if it's not on the screen. I actually don't remember. Um, but here we go. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. 
We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Alright, so how many of you are thinking, well, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Anyone heard that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Jesus is the light of the world. It's okay. Um, He's not expecting you to be perfect. But here he says that we are the light of the world. That his followers are the light of the world. And in essence, it's, it's that his followers have Jesus living in our lives and we're instructed to let that shine. We reflect the light of the world who's in our lives. Jesus is not, Jesus has ascended. He's not here physically right now. So do you know who is the representation of Christ in the world? Us. It's his followers. We are the light of the world. Here on earth, representing him, reflecting his light until he returns. We are the light that the world sees. And for a lot of people, until they meet Jesus, we're going to be the only Bible that they read is our lives. Right? I want you to think about something that's, it just kind of blows my mind that, that everyone alive who's part of the church right now is... Because other followers of Jesus have shown their light. I know no man comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draw. But the only way anyone on earth is hearing about the gospel is through the followers of Jesus. And because Jesus has called us the light of the world, you look at the church, which has lasted over, you know, 2,000 years... And, and just the people of God in general, longer than that. But you look at the church, and you look at every kingdom since Jesus' day that's risen and fallen, no longer here. I want you guys to think about something else. A thousand years from now, a thousand years from now, all right? Envision it with me. I don't know what the world's going to look like. I don't know if Jesus will ever turn yet, but if he hasn't yet, if he hasn't come back yet for his church and has set everything right, a thousand years from now, there will be no Google. There will be no Facebook. What's that? Did I get an amen on that? <laughs> Woo! There won't be any Apple. There may not be a USA. Any of the empires that rule right now will not be in rule. If you don't believe me, ask the Romans, ask the Greeks, ask the Assyrians, ask the Babylonians, ask the Mayans, ask the Incans. They all will pass. Heaven and earth will pass away. But the word of God will never pass away. And the family of God is eternal. And that is what we have been called to. 
that is what we have been called to. If that's what you've been called to, don't step down for anything else. That's what you've been called to as a light of the world to let your light shine. Let your faith in Jesus Christ and in his grace poured out for you. Let it shine through your life. And as you're doing good deeds, because you will be doing good deeds, because you believe in Jesus, people will see the good deeds that you're doing and say, that's good. God's good. Woo! Now I'm a light of the world. Notice he doesn't say there that your good deeds are the light. But the, but the light is the means by which they see that your deeds are good. And they begin to glorify God. So it's, it's us sharing. God has changed us. We are different. We are his. We live for a new kingdom. We're citizens of, a, of heaven. Not just citizens of here on earth. So let our light shine. Our culture says, worship however you want, but keep it to yourself. That's private. And Jesus says, we're going public with this. In the message version. (laughs) You're the light in a dark world so that people can find the way to Jesus. You see that about each one of these metaphors, that they're much needed. It's in the middle of what people need every day. Think about light and a light in a house, which is what he's referring to. They don't have electricity. They can't flip on the switch when they walk in the room. There's one lamp in the middle of the house that everyone sees by at night. And he says, if you're that light, why would I put a bowl on you? Makes no sense. The only reason I would do that is to put out the light. I'm not putting out the light. You're the light so that everyone else can see. That's who we are. That's who we are in Christ. That's who we're called to be. As the light of the world, we're, we're to live in a way that shows the culture who God is and what he's like and how good it is to know his love. Amen? Amen. I want to wrap up and uh, just give us an opportunity to, to respond in, in, in prayer. Um, to respond in in praying for one another or taking communion together, whatever it may be. Um, I just want to paint this picture that the life that Jesus has called us to um, is not one that is kind of peripheral to the main big things going on in culture. Jesus and the gospel, according to this book, that is the story of the world. All of history can be explained through Jesus. And we are called to take part in that. It's not just some random part of our lives. Come here on Sunday, we get encouraged. We go throughout our week doing our thing. This is our thing. This is our thing that Jesus called us to all the time, everywhere we go, to be that salt and to be that light. 
to share what he's done in our lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll have some time to respond. If you want to take part in communion, we have that here. Uh, we, we take that every week as just a remembrance of though we were far from God and in sin, Jesus brought us near through the cross. That's what this represents. Um, uh, the cracker represents his body broken for us. And the juice represents his blood poured out for us. And uh, so you can come and take that in uh, pairs or in groups or pray together or uh, whatever you may want to do. We're going to have um, just a response time for a few minutes and then uh, we'll end together with a song and a benediction. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for um, your presence here today, right here in this moment. Lord, I thank you that uh, your word speaks to our hearts, cuts right to the center of who we are, and shows us all the little different ways where we maybe have gotten off track or maybe need to change. Lord, I pray for boldness in this church, in my own heart, in the hearts of everyone gathered here. Pray for a renewed um, appreciation for what it means to be a child of God. I pray for a new appreciation of your grace. And I pray for a boldness that we would carry that into our everyday lives, God. That we would see part of our role, Lord, as bringing out the best in the circles that we walk in and being a barrier against that which is destroying um, our culture. Lord, we need you. We turn from sin. We ask that you would make us pure. God, I pray that you would make us as a church um, distinctly different in a way that people who are broken and people who are hurting could come here and know and experience firsthand the love of God. Not only from your spirit, but through your people, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Bless this time. Be with us. Uh, make us a church that walks out and lives in this reality of salt and light here in San Diego. We love you and we thank you so much, Jesus. Amen.